When we go through EMT or paramedic school, we learn of the two different responses that our nervous system has, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. What's really incredible, specifically about the parasympathetic system, is that it can be manipulated and used to our advantage so that we can have a better impact on our cardiovascular system by removing stress and shock. In today's episode, I'll do a quick review of these systems, how we can manipulate the parasympathetic system through vagal stimulation, what heart rate variability is, and how being conscious of all these things can greatly improve our physical condition and immunity. You are a firefighter and an EMS professional. You are a part of a worldwide brotherhood of dedicated servants and you put your life on the line every day for others. Because of that, you deserve better. We are often our own worst enemies and it's time to own it. Let's work to improve and change the status quo. That change starts with us, right here, right now. In every situation we're faced with, as we see a need, we own it and we act. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited. Hey everyone, my name is Ryan Rodriguez and I'm the founder of Ignited and your host for the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. The Ignited Movement is a brotherhood of firefighters who challenge the status quo through a forum dedicated to self-improvement and accountability. In each of these episodes, we discuss a myriad of different things challenging the fire service today, from leadership and tactics to how to improve ourselves physically as well as mentally. We aim to civilize the mind but make savage the body. And even though the focus is on the fire service, topics and principles we discuss can be applied by professionals everywhere. That being said, let's light the spark. You've got two mechanisms in which your body, specifically your nervous system, responds to external stimuli, your sympathetic nervous system and your parasympathetic nervous system. We remember from EMT or paramedic school that the sympathetic nervous system deals with fight or flight issues and the parasympathetic system deals with rest and digest issues. Knowing that, I'd like to spend this episode focusing on the parasympathetic nervous system and how manipulating it can really help us improve our heart rate variability. But before we get too deep into that, let's talk about what heart rate variability is. As you go throughout your day, your heart rate beats in an inconsistent manner. Now, I'm not talking about like dysrhythmias like AFib or VFib. I mean, you don't keep the same exact heart rate throughout the entirety of the day. And the reasons vary. You may have almost gotten into a car wreck on the way to work and it amped you up a bit, or you may have taken the stairs rather than the elevator, right? Regardless of the cause of the difference in your heart rate during the day, the measure of this difference in irregularity is called heart rate variability, or HRV. There have been numerous studies that show how HRV positively correlates with athletic performance and training adaptation. There's also been studies that show it negatively correlates to the risk of overtraining, and it correlates generally with overall fitness and health. So let's unpack what heart rate variability is, what causes it, and how to interpret it when it comes to our own HRV. So what is HRV? Those of you who know your cardiology know that a regular sinus rhythm 
is considered anything between 60 to 100 beats a minute, technically like 60 to 99 beats a minute. But anyway, even though that sounds consistent, there's still a small amount of variability between the R waves. And I bring up R waves because the heartbeat's R phase is the most distinguishable phase among the QRS complex. The R to R interval may look like it's beating regularly at 60 beats per minute, but in reality, beat to beat times could range from like half a second to two seconds. HRV is a function of the difference in the lengths of successive beats in a series of R to R intervals, typically between two to five minutes worth of data. Next time you guys get uh, an EKG on a patient, I'd encourage you to take a closer look and pay particular attention to the consistency between the R to R waves. Notice the inconsistency no matter how small it may seem. This is heart rate variability, and this is where a secret manipulatable factor lies when it comes to athletic performance. So what causes HRV? Even though HRV is a function of heart rate, its origin is in the nervous system. This is how HRV provides unique information found within resting heart rate. Our autonomic nervous system controls all the involuntary aspects of our physiology. Remember how I mentioned our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems? I want you to keep in mind that our sympathetic nervous system is our activating system and our parasympathetic system is our deactivating system. So parasympathetic stimulation reflects input from our internal organs, like the need to digest after eating a meal, and causes the heart rate to decrease. Sympathetic stimulation is a response to stress, exercise, and disease, and causes an increase in heart rate. HRV comes from the interplay between these two competitive branches. In a balanced nervous system, our cardiovascular system is constantly getting competing messages from these two systems. Commands to increase heart rate from the sympathetic nervous system and commands to decrease heart rate from the parasympathetic nervous system. These competing messages cause the resulting heart rate to be in a constant state of fluctuation. So how do we interpret all this? I want you to first understand that HRV positively correlates with whole body health. As I just mentioned, HRV emerges from the competing interests of the autonomic nervous system's two branches. When HRV is high, it's a sign that the body is highly responsive to both sets of input, and therefore highly capable of adapting to changing environmental conditions, which is a good thing. It's what you want. When HRV is low, one branch of the autonomic nervous system is sending stronger inputs to the heart than the other. So for example, when you're being chased by a tiger, you want your body to respond only to your sympathetic nervous system and help you get the hell out of wherever you're at, right? Rather than respond to an improper and unhelpful response from your parasympathetic nervous system. That's how you wind up crapping your pants, right? However, when there's no immediate danger or need to strongly favor one branch over another, being balanced is advantageous. Being balanced is where it's at. Many factors besides the immediate threat of a hungry tiger can temporarily tip the balance and reduce your HRV. And these factors include pain, psychological stress, illness, fatigue, and hydration levels. The highest attainable HRV an individual can have is determined by fitness level, age, gender, genetics, health, and environmental conditions. 
max HRV varies considerably among individuals. So for example, HRV decreases dramatically with age, such that the maximum attainable HRV of a fit 20-year-old athlete may be more than double that of a fit 50-year-old. Therefore, it's particularly meaningful to consider your HRV today in the context of your own recent history. Basically, you're only competing with yourself. Think about how today's HRV compared to yesterday's. Is it higher or lower compared to the past week or even the past month? There's really no point in comparing your HRV today to your teammate's HRV today. It's just there's no correlation because really, like I said, you're competing against yourself. Your, your HRV is your HRV and it, it's only adjustable based on the things that you're doing for you. HRV is an easy-to-measure, information-dense metric with wide-ranging value for increasing the safety and effectiveness of your training. It's become extremely popular among professional athletes and their training staff. Now, I consider us as firefighters professional athletes, and for that reason, I utilize a device and a subscription service that allows me to constantly monitor my HRV and any improvements or decline I may have regarding it. I use a whoop strap and I've used it for a few months now. It shows me trends in recovery, strain, and HRV, and it also monitors my sleep patterns and quality. I use all of these metrics in order to make adaptations and changes to what I may be doing that has a negative effect on said sleep, recovery, and strain. So check out their website at www.whoop.com to learn more. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's very cool, very interesting super accurate metrics. It's, it's insane how accurate this thing is. Moving on to how stimulating the vagus nerve helps boost our HRV and our immunity. The vagus nerve is the magic button that we can press in order to reduce stress in the body because it's responsible for activating the parasympathetic response. Now this is where manipulating the parasympathetic response comes into play. So listen up. It originates on the surface of the brain, right, if you know your anatomy, but it wanders throughout your body, your entire body, transmitting information to your tissues and your organs. This specific nerve plays a critical role in letting your body know that things are going to be okay. Interestingly enough, HRV is controlled by the vagus nerve. And now that we know that the more complex or variable your HRV, the more resilient and adaptable you are. The vagus nerve is just like a muscle. You can train it to get stronger. We can do this by increasing what's called vagal tone or vagus nerve activity. HRV is one of the most practical ways to improve your overall wellness quickly. We can stimulate the vagus nerve and as a result influence parasympathetic tone with breathing exercises, massage, intermittent fasting, taking omega-3 supplements, cold heat thermogenesis, and exercise. There's other ways to stimulate it as well, like laughing, sex, chanting, gargling, and singing. Maybe all of that at the same time. I don't know. Maybe it'll double your efforts. Who knows? <laughs> I'd like to talk a bit about the specific ways that I personally exercise vagal tone to give you a practical peek at how you can incorporate it into your own lives. So one of the things that I do is diaphragmatic breathing. And you've heard me talk about box breathing before. That's what this is. It's a method where you breathe in over a count of four seconds. You hold it in for a count of four. You breathe it out 
for a count of four seconds, and then you hold it out for a count of four. As little as one minute of diaphragmatic breathing a few times a day has been proven to have beneficial effect on the cardiopulmonary system and enhances parasympathetic activation. This kind of purposeful rhythmic breathing lowers your stress levels while increasing your vagal tone. There are a lot of other methods out there, but this is by far the easiest and I feel the most beneficial. I feel this way mainly because it helps me consciously focus on the present moment, and for me, that present moment is where peace is. Taking time to introduce these small moments of peace allow me to break up an otherwise potentially stressful day because it introduces positive moments that would displace that negative stress. And accumulated over the entirety of a day, those small moments of peace break up the larger accumulation of stress that could occur, allowing me to manage it and not take it out on my next patient, my crew, or my family. Now, I have an Apple Watch, and it reminds me to do breathing exercises, so I use that throughout the day, and I've set that to remind me throughout the day to take those breaks and practice that diaphragmatic breathing. Um, you could use your phone's alarm and just set one to go off every 90 minutes and do that. Uh, but also, when I do... When I am feeling like uh, a little bit overstressed or like frustrated, I take that minute and I, I work on diaphragmatic breathing. I do a little box breathing. I calm down, I clear my head, and I work things out, and it works. It works for me every time. Another thing I do is I practice cold thermogenesis. And this is the practice of exposing yourself to cold temperatures. Research has shown that it has a positive influence on health and longevity by changing gene expression and fat cells. Cold adaptation offers a huge advantage in many different aspects of medicine, not only for obesity and diabetes, but for performance and longevity as well. Sudden exposure to cold temperatures is going to stimulate that vagal nerve immediately. There's actually a physiologic change that occurs that increases testosterone, growth hormone, and metabolic efficiency. Cold thermogenesis ignites your body's natural healing powers by providing long-lasting changes to the immune, lymphatic, circulatory, and digestive systems, and generally enhances overall quality of life as a result, all while leaving you feel relaxed and refreshed. And I know it doesn't really sound like it would be all that relaxing and refreshing, but I'm here to tell you, it is. When I went to the Exos facility, Exos training, uh, facility up in North Phoenix to train and obtain my Exos Firefighter Fitness Specialist certification, I was exposed to a lot of the new and cutting-edge training and therapies that they were incorporating with their professional sports athletes. They train uh, members of the Cardinals, um, the Coyotes, a bunch of different local sports teams. That's where they go to train. And uh, one, of the, one of the new things that they were introducing, this was, what, probably eight years ago? One of the things that they were introducing was cold thermogenesis or taking a cold plunge is what they called it. A handful of us would immerse ourselves up to our carotids in the spa, in the jacuzzi that was around 100 degrees Fahrenheit, and we'd sit there for three minutes. Then we'd get out and we'd immediately get into the cold plunge, which was like a cold version of a jacuzzi. And that was around 42 degrees Fahrenheit. And we'd sit in that cold up to our carotids for three minutes. We'd take turns doing this, and so we'd take three dips in the hot tub, 
alternating with three dips in the cold plunge. And it was amazing. It's an incredible stimulation of your lymph and circulatory systems. And after a super intense workout, it was very welcome. Honestly, when I came out of the cold, alternating those three times, I felt ready for round two. I was totally refreshed. And that night, I'd never slept so good in my life. If you want to learn more and read more about how cold thermogenesis can help unlock some amazing things in your life, I'd recommend reading a book called The Wim Hof Method, Activate Your Full Human Potential. It's written by a guy named Wim Hof, and he's the leading most authority on cold thermogenesis. This guy might take, you might think he takes it to the extreme, and he might, but uh, it's very interesting, very interesting read. So if you're looking for something to read, I would recommend that one. Um, one thing you can do is switch the temperature back and forth for 10 second intervals while you're in the shower. So 10 seconds on hot, 10 seconds on cold. And don't shy away from it either. It's a great way to practice cold thermogenesis on a daily basis. Assuming you take a shower every day, of course. <laughs> um, one of the last few things, actually this is going to be like a two-in-one. So a couple of the other things that I do daily to practice working on my vagal tone is I activate my gag reflex and I self-soothe. Now these both sound kind of funny, but hear me out on this one. So every time I brush my teeth, I brush my tongue and I wind up totally gagging myself. <laughs> I've always brushed my tongue because that's what my dentist told me that I should do when I was a kid. It's just proper hygiene, right? But not only is it good hygiene, it's good for vagal tone as well. When you activate your gag reflex, you stimulate your vagus nerve and therefore exercise vagal tone, which lowers your heart rate and activates neurons in your brain. And I've posted a link in the show notes to the scientific findings behind this. It's actually very interesting to read. So hopefully you don't just think I'm crazy, um, but it's a real thing. Trust me. <laughs> so the next time you brush your teeth, give it a try. Brush your tongue, go a little further, gag yourself. Uh, stimulate that vagal tone and uh, go from there. See how it works for you. Now, in regards to self-soothing, I'm talking about kind of gently humming in a steady tone, kind of like moaning, but in a steady tone. Now, you don't really want to do this while you're on an EMS call or while you're on the headset with your crew, but it's a great thing to do when you're trying to go to sleep. I've done this my whole life, and I didn't realize that not everyone did it until I got married. When I'm lying in bed, whether taking a nap or turning in for the night, I do a bit of this self-soothing, and it helps put me right to sleep. Like, honestly, probably within eight to ten breaths, I'm, I'm out. What I didn't know up until recently was how and why it worked so well. So what I'm basically doing is stimulating my vagus nerve. Essentially, I'm humming myself to sleep. Again, I'm not humming a tune. I'm keeping a consistent tone as I exhale. And it sounds something like this. So maybe rewind that, play that again and again, and it'll help you go to sleep. I don't know. <laughs> but try these things out. Try the, uh, try the diaphragmatic breathing, the, the box breathing. Try the cold thermogenesis next time you take a shower. Do 10 seconds of the, of the hot water and then flip it over. Do 10 seconds of the cold water, breathing all the way through it, of course, obviously. 
and then uh, try the gag reflex when you brush your teeth. And then the next time you lay down to take a nap or go to sleep, try that self-soothing method. I'd be interested to hear what works for you and what doesn't. By doing all these things, I'm getting a better handle on my HRV and as a result, I'm able to perform better on the fire ground and in the gym, which results in an overall improvement in my health and wellness. Try some of those methods that I, that I lined out and see how your body and mind respond to them. Like I said, I'd be interested to hear which ones you tried, which ones you could feel a definite physical response from, and which ones you don't think really work for you. Reach out to me and the others in the Facebook group and let us know. I'm always interested in hearing about your guys' experience. If you don't already know, I've got shirts for sale. I've reached out to another local Arizona company, and we've put together a design that looks and feels amazing. So go to the shop at www.ignitedff.com, or you can click the links in my Facebook or Instagram bio. Shirts are $28, and I've only got extra larges left. These things went like hotcakes, so get your orders in soon. They're all next-level shirts, so they fit and breathe amazingly. I love them, but then again, I'm a bit biased. I've also got hats that I just got in and should be up on the online shop by next week, so keep your eyes out for that announcement as well. As always, thank you for listening to the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. Please subscribe and share these episodes with someone who you think should hear them. As we delve deeper into these topics, we can come together and help each other learn and grow. Remember, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at IgnitedFF. Please feel free to shoot me a message and ask questions or send me some feedback. I'm building this community for us. One way you can become more directly involved is to join the Ignited Firefighter Podcast community on Facebook. This is where we as firefighters and EMS professionals can come together and dive deeper into the topics discussed on the show. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, if you see a need, own it and take action. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited.